Wealthy Author Podcast, episode 56, Bias, Racism, and the Brain, with Jason Greer. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Author Podcast. I am your host, D. Orlando Fortune. This is a show about business and authors. With the growing demand for information, entrepreneurs must learn how to turn their ideas into words on a page that bring in cash and share a unique message. This podcast brings you the strategies, tips, and bars to do just that and do it well using a book. Wealthy author fam, this is one of the best offers I've created. It's my new book, The 4-Hour Book, and I'm practically giving it away. For only $7, you get the ebook, the audiobook, and $189 in bonus materials to help you write your first book or your next book. Go to 4hourbook.com forward slash letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, to get your digital copy right now. And within minutes, you have access to download the book and your bonuses. Now look, I know everyone cannot afford to hire me to ghostwrite their book or manage their entire book project. Plus, I don't have the bandwidth to take on every author I meet. Now, I wish I could, but I still want to help you become a wealthy author. So I put my best strategies and tactics into the four-hour book so that you can write the book you need to write for your business. And if you prefer listening to your books, you get the bonus audiobook of me reading the book to you as one of my gifts to you. Plus, you get my signature book formula checklist to keep you on track as you go on your author journey. And you get the signature book profit matrix to plan out your book sales funnel. Because we all know a book doesn't make you rich, but it does take you to the riches. And then you get a couple of over-the-shoulder recordings of me showing you how to record your book, get it transcribed, and self-edited. <laughs> Yo, I'm shaking my head right now because I might be over-delivering. And here's the thing. I'm okay with it. You deserve to become an author. So go to 4hourbook.com forward slash letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, and start your author journey today. In today's interview, we have Jason Greer. He's going to discuss how to open the lines of communication between races, corporations, and unions, and uh, some more discussion on DEI using a simple idea, finding commonality. And I believe Jason, the great person to have this conversation with here today, because he's gone from a $100 startup to becoming one of the top 5% of employee labor consultants in the U.S. and a self-professed hustler. (laughs) He's part of the hustle mentality. He doesn't really do much outside of work other than dealing with his family. And he's been doing this for the last 17 years. Year. So he's seen a lot of things as it relates to the rifts between organizations and groups and helping them to open the communications and start beginning the healing and the uniting of different peoples on different le- all types of levels. OK, so here's some things from today's episode to pay attention to. First off, Jason talks about why he feels the problem in America is more about the brain than race. It has to do with this idea of cavemen and things of that nature. We're gonna, he goes more into it. I'm not going to touch on it right now. 
just keep your ears open for that one. Uh, there's also offers a four word question every connector must use. And I like to say connector because I think it goes outside of the bounds of just opening this communication lines between people who are having rifts or who have grown apart or who are separate. This four word question is just how to meet people, how to actually connect with people. So this gives you a forward question and some follow-up questions to use after that. So even if you are an introvert, it's a great question to have in your bag to start talking with people you don't know, meeting new people. Jason also has an interesting story, an experience that he had here on American soil. And this happened within the last 50 years where he was living in Iowa and had to watch a cross being burned in his yard. Now, we're not, again, we're not talking about 200 some plus years ago. We're talking about in the last 50 years in Iowa. Why is this still happening? Ridiculous. But he talks about that experience and what he learned growing up uh, in a lot of, in a white community, being one of the one only child in, a, in his family and being very, part of the minority as the black kid in the wall, um, mostly white communities. But we're not going to end it there. We're going to go on a higher note. We're going to bring it up a little bit and we're going to have, have Jason end with a great message about hate and love and give offer some, ex, some experience that in strength and hope he has around selling and specifically talking about some, Ideas he learned from Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Will Smith. You want to keep your ears open and keep a listen out for all these notes and more as we get into today's episode. I'm done with this intro. Let's get in. I'm back with a, another author. I know y'all have been hearing me doing a lot of my own shows, but I, I got to get, when I meet these great people, um, I get introduced to great authors doing great things out here in the world, transformative um, authors, I got to get them on the show. This is what we do. So we got another author out here today. Let me go ahead and get right into this bio so we can really learn more about what he's doing out here to affect change out here in uh, in the corporate world, man. This is, you know, let me just read this. Jason Greer is also known as the employee whisperer. He's the founder and president of Greer Consulting Inc., GCI, a labor and employee relations consulting firm. He has interviewed thousands of executives, managers, and employees over the course of his career, giving him keen insight on issues that stop businesses from thriving. Jason has built Greer Consulting Inc. into one of the top employee and labor relations consulting businesses in the United States. Considering the changes that have taken place in the labor market, such as the Great Resignation, debates on DEI, and mass unionization across multiple industries, Greer Consulting Inc. helps organizations solve some of the most challenging problems. Jason is also an international best-selling author of Bias, Racism, and the Brand. Of course, we're we'll talking about that, how we got here and what needs to happen and people matter most. Jason has been recognized as an employee and labor relations expert by the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, LA Times, Bloomberg, CNBC, CNN, MSNBC. Hold on, I got to take a breath. CBS, NBC, Fox News, BBC, Men's Health, The Daily Mail, Entrepreneur Magazine, and Inc. Magazine. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Fortune. Yeah, I ran out of breath there trying to name out a name, man. <laughs> Is there anyone else that you would like to give a shout out to? Fans, family, cats, dogs, fish? Yeah, great question. Uh, definitely my wife, Tiffany. Um, known her since undergrad and tremendous woman. My parents. 
and everybody else, <laughs> everybody else. <laughs> and de- definitely my family in Indianapolis. Since you're in now, definitely my family in Indianapolis. Excellent, 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 excellent. All right. So just to go ahead and get started, um, I know we have we're going to kind of keep this kind of compact. So I'm just going to go right into it. Okay. First That's off, right. first and most, first question. Love to ask. Just a little lob of uh, softball up there for you. What um, What are you reading now? What is your What, what are you reading right now? What's your favorite book? I'm reading this. Yeah, great question. I'm reading this book called The Chaos Machine, and I'm blanking on the author, but it's basically, man, it's crazy when you read all these exposés that are coming out about how the artificial intelligence behind social media is driving the world. And this author just, understand, I think this book came out in 2018. So it's dated now, right? It's four years dated. When you consider that, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Reddit, they created these artificial intelligence around driving, you know, driving people to videos, keeping people basically like hooked onto their sites. But what they've discovered is that they don't know how the artificial intelligence works mm-hmm. because there was a core concept of the artificial intelligence and the artificial intelligence mutated mm-hmm. to the point where you have genocides going on in Miramar. You have all the political unrest that's going on here in the United States and it's being generated by a non-human. And there, there's, there's no clear idea on how we get this back, that genie back into the bottle. It's an incredible read. Well, it's doing what it's designed to do. It's artificial intelligence. It's being intelligent. That's kind of scary, Absolutely. though, because I've seen those movies, several of them. Terminator, right? Come on, man. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> we, we were given advance notice of this stuff before the stuff even existed, and we still did it. Absolutely. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's a Simpsons episode talking about it too. So we'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So let's get into what, uh, what you do. Um, so more yes, importantly, sir. what do you do and why more importantly, why you do what you do? Uh, great question, man. I'm a founder and president of Greer Consulting, as you said in the bio, um, our company, there are a couple different buckets to our company. There's the labor relations side, there's the employee relations side, and there's the diversity side. The labor relations is more along the lines of employers who are either dealing with existing unions or they're seeking to remain union free. I'm a former board agent with the National Labor Relations Board. So we work um, exclusively with companies that, uh, just like I said, either have existing unions and they're working to repair those relationships or companies that are seeking to remain union free, which has been a bit more difficult these days, obviously because of all the things that are going on in the industry. Um, You know, we do a lot of employee relations work where the proverbial crap has hit the fan, the, there's a breakdown between management, employees, and we come in, and this is where I earned the title of the employee whisperer. We come in to really bridge those gaps mm-hmm. with the hope of, I'm a social worker by training, and mm-hmm. I'm a social worker who just lucked out in the, bis- in the world of business. And sort of the social worker's mentality is, I want to work myself out of a job, which means that we have alleviated all of the pressures and the burdens right. of society to the point where you no longer need me. That's the exact same way that we look at employee relations is we come in and we work with organizations from Fortune 100s all the way to your your mom and pop shops where we're able to come in and help them to identify what those core issues are, those breaking points, those fissures. Mm -hmm. We provide direct recommendations on how to, you know, create gaps or Mm -hmm. or rather to create, you know, some type of healing process. Mm -hmm. And then we move on until they need us again. And the other side of diversity yeah, equity inclusion is around the idea that we are one of the few firms that specialize in the, you know, the diversity of the brain. 
because yeah, yeah, yeah. when you learn more about the brain, it's what we talk about in, um, in my book, Bias, Racism, and the Brain. When you learn more about the brain, you start to realize we don't necessarily have a race problem in America as much as we have a brain problem okay. because our brains are still wired as though you know, our ancestors are scouring the earth looking for food, you know, for food, shelter, and water. And then all of a sudden you bring, you have your in-group, which is your clan. These are the people who you know. These are the people who you trust for survival, your family. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you come across another clan that's nothing like that, your existing clan. So you have the in-group versus the out-group. Our ancestors fought over in-group versus out-group dynamics. And unfortunately, we are still fighting over those things because society has evolved to the point where we're sitting here holding this conversation. You're in nap. I'm in St. Louis but our brains still believe that we're living in the days of our ancestors. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense to me um, with a background myself there in psychology, that even mm. though we've come so far, we still haven't come that far. Yes. Yes. <laughs> our tools have advanced, but we as, as people and as beings, we haven't, haven't evolved as much as we think that we have. And um, exactly. continue to find that out. The more we learn, the more we know, Oh, wow. I'm really, still that caveman they're trying to figure right. out how to survive right. and fortunately to that point we give great lip service to it i mean when you consider what happened with the george floyd moment then mm -hmm. hence you know that that was really the genesis behind uh the book that i co-wrote with my uh co-author phil dixon mm -hmm. for a solid month we as a human as a human race for the most part and i'm not talking about your white supremacists i'm not talking about your extremists mm -hmm. i'm talking for the most part as a human race whether the united states whether it's in brazil around the world people came together with this idea that black lives matter mm -hmm. right and that really made me believe that in some shape or form our brains were evolving mm -hmm. because now we have this collective story because we can't really get to the point where you and i are connecting with each other until we find some points of commonality and i felt like we had gotten to the point as a human race that we recognize man human lives really do matter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're going to be better for it. But then politics got into it. Then social economic issues got into it. Then, you know, the majority feeling like if we give too much power to the minority, then we won't be the majority anymore. Mm -hmm. All these different things came into place. And I go, and here the brain is at work once again, mm -hmm. building up our biases, telling us why we're so different from the in-group or why we're so different from the out-group and it's completely tearing us apart. Interesting. As you're saying, that reminds me of something my, my, my dad taught me coming from sticks of mississippi and he, mm. he's taught about his grandpa my grandpa was teaching him about race and so forth about people yes, sir. um how they uh, how they behave and he's and so they're out there on the farm there's a group of birds out there just eating all out in the field or whatever doing what they're doing um different types of birds blackbirds robins and all these different types of birds out there grandpa said watch this and he throws a rock out there the birds scatter mm. and as they land He's like, look, now look what happened to the birds. The groups, all the blackbirds kind of landed over here. Then you had the robins, they landed all over wow. here. Wow. <laughs> you see, wow. everything is good while we're all eating, but when some type right. of drama gets thrown into there, everybody's like, hold on. We we got to stick together. You know what I'm saying? Again, that, the whole age old birds of a feather. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Like, it's that's, I like that. You're saying that. I don't know where, why that why that thought came to mind, but it did. No, it's it's okay, but that's but that's something else. Let's talk about points of commonality. Is you said your father was from Mississippi, mm -hmm. right? My father is from Tennessee, and when you look at sort of the great black migration, yeah. so much of that happened from the South, 
into all these various cities. So that's another point of commonality that we have, even if we had, you know, we just met each other 10, 15 minutes ago, but we have Southern roots in common, right? That, that in itself kind of puts us in that in-group category because we have points of commonality we can talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we spend more time speaking on our de- divisive, the divisive aspects of our society and not enough time talking about the things that, man, we all just want to live a good life, man, right? In peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's, yeah. so speaking to that, that's the, they're going to get an idea from you or um, a strategy, if you will, for like a short-term strategy for something that could, someone could use right now coming out of here in this conversation, wanted to go get your book. Yes, um, and we're going to talk about your book just in just one second here after this. We, what would be a strategy for someone using, that could use right now? Maybe I can blanket strategy or a small firm, whichever one if you want to set. If you need context, set up the context for it. They could do right yeah, now no to start being more, uh, uh, more inclusive and realizing this, this the idea of labors and unions and so forth. How are we, how are we going to bring this together? How are we going to make a, a effect change? Or is that two different conversations? If, if I'm, you know, it, it's two different conversations, but it's one conversation happening between human beings. So, so if you allow me to rock here, yeah. One way a common bridge builder, and this is going to somebody's going to, I'm sure, listen to your show. They're going to be like, "Man, this stuff doesn't work." But I'm telling you, it works. Mm-hmm. I got 17 years in the field, so I'll tell you this works. Simply asking somebody where they're from. Yeah. Okay. And then letting them talk about where they're from. Mm-hmm. And then asking pointed questions. Those pointed questions are, wow, you have brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. your family's still there. What was it like for you growing up? Mm-hmm. And then listening, because as people begin to share their stories, look, I don't care if you are a white suburban cat who's never been outside the suburbs and you're talking to somebody who might have grown up in the inner city. Mm-hmm. As you're listening to stories, you begin to find out that even though we might have completely different backgrounds, we might even be different from a socioeconomic standpoint, we still have points of commonality. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have two siblings, I have two siblings. Maybe you, your father got laid off when he was five, my father got laid off when he was eight, mm-hmm. right? The more points of commonality that you can find, that's when you start to begin to build those bridges with the understanding that we're still gonna recognize that we're different. Yeah, yeah. But when I get to know your story, Fortune, and you get to know my story, mm-hmm. it becomes a heck of a lot harder for you to hate on me because you know where I'm coming from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. And that that's, as someone coming from a background, um, well, dad being in the service, so I got mm-hmm. moved around a lot. Um, every several, three, four years, whatnot, I moved around, I never really got really connected with people because I yes. knew I was going to move. But I did learn how to build that a rapport, finding that commonality with people. I learned to do that very quickly. And for me, I tell people, it's like, I'm, if you have that fascination with people, like mm-hmm. I want, I'm fascinated by your story and fascinated, fascinated by you, by a human being, not only because you're a child of God, because something about you, I don't know. You know how to do something. I have no clue what to do. I want to know what that is and how yes, you did sir. it. I'm fascinated by individuals. Part of the reason why I interview people, right? Yes. And that I was just thinking that actually. I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so it helps me to do that same thing. I'm looking for where, oh, why did you move there? And like, I have so many questions I want to ask you about how you got to where well, you see, are. Well, see, and that's what's interesting, Fortune, is you were, you know, you were a service kid. I mean, you moved all, all over the place. I was an only child. Mm-hmm. So in being an only child, I had no choice but to ask people questions about themselves because nobody was talking to me. <laughs> you sound like right? my daughter right now. I sound like I my mean, daughter. <laughs> she's the only child, right? Your yeah. daughter? 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's exactly how it was. So I would see my friends who had sisters and brothers, and they oftentimes didn't like each other, which was so weird to me, because in in my made up mind, if you got brothers and sisters, that's your best friend. You never argue. Yeah, you yeah. always have someone to play with. You always have someone yeah. to talk to, right? So I got to the point. You know, my parents are tremendous people, but they worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And they spent a lot of time with me. Please don't get me wrong, but I also spent a lot of time by myself. Mm-hmm. So in order to break that silence, when I got around other kids, man, I'm sure they were like, man, who is this? Because I was like, where are you from? Why do you wear those socks? Why do you wear those shoes? <laughs> I was so interested because in, in forming those relationships, maybe they'd be interested in me and maybe they'd invite me over because they had Kool-Aid and I didn't have any Kool-Aid in my mm-hmm. house. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So now I'm seeing the strings, the uh, the threads from childhood that carry over into adulthood, into your career. There it is. Absolutely. So with that said, talk to me, talk to us about bias, racism, and the brain. If you want to give a little more, why you why you decided to write that book and what you're actually doing with this book as far as um, growing your business or getting on speaking, how are you using the book? Absolutely. Great question. So bias, racism, the brain is basically my life. We're about halfway through today's show. And I want to give you a quick word from our sponsor before finishing the interview. Today's show is sponsored by Thought Fortune Press. You probably know that if you're not an authority in your industry, nobody's hearing your message. And you may know that the number one way to build your authority is by authoring a book. What you probably don't know is that you can write the manuscript for your book in less than four hours. I'm D. Arlando Fortune, the lead self-publishing strategist for Thought Fortune Press, where we turn your ideas into a branded book that brings in the cash by sharing your unique message and positioning you as an authority in your industry. If you're an entrepreneur or a speaker who's thinking about already writing or want to publish your next book, but you don't want to write it, or you just want to get help getting it done, your first step is a wealthy author roadmap. This is a call to help us get to the heart of what you do for your customers. Together, we'll determine how a book will help you establish more credibility in your customers' minds and make a bigger impact in their lives, while also, of course, increasing your revenues. During the call, we'll walk you through designing your book's outline and its content and create a publishing timeline that fits your goals, even if that means getting it done in as little as 90 days. What makes us different is that we know a book is only the first step into your world. Not only do we help you write the book, but we work with you on creating a signature suite of products all from your book's one outline. We do all of this using the five phases of our proprietary system, the signature book formula. To get started on your personalized wealthy author roadmap, go to thoughtfortunepress.com and click the gold start here button at the top of the page. Now remember, you're only one book away. So let us at Thought Fortune Press guide you to becoming an author. Go to thoughtfortunepress.com today. All right, so um, let's get back to the tips and the rest of this interview. It's been quite interesting listening to these stories from Jason. I hope you enjoyed them as much as I did listening to them for the first time and the second and the third time as I'm <laughs> editing this interview. So let's get back to it and wrap it up. Okay. Um, when the George Floyd moment happened in Fortune, I'm sure this was your experience, just like it was the experience for so many 
African-Americans, all of a sudden we discovered friends, white friends that we didn't even know we were friends with, mm-hmm. right? Because whether it was people calling me, I'm saying people I've been spoken to since grade school and I grew up mm-hmm. in an all white environment. People I hadn't spoken to since grade school, people who might've seen some of my videos or my interviews and were reaching out to me online, um, people at the church that I attended, the, the question was, one, how didn't I know this stuff is still happening? And when, when I say this stuff, I'm going to talk about the assassination of George Floyd. Okay. Because you can say it was a killing. You could say whatever. That was an assassination. That man had his knee on his neck. That man was calling out George Floyd. Mr. Floyd was calling out for his mother. Calling out for someone to help. And that man assassinated him for the world to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of, again, lightning in a bottle because COVID happened. So all of a sudden, everybody's at home. Mm-hmm. And videos of Black men dying at the hands of police officers have been running rampant since videos started being shared on social media. Yeah, But this one hit different because everyone was at home. And another side of that, when we talk about the power of the brain, not only was everyone at home, for the most part, I don't care if you were well-to-do all the way to lower class. Everybody kind of felt hopeless and helpless because we had this, you know, this virus running rampant called COVID mm-hmm. that we didn't understand. And we had the federal government telling us we had to stay home. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, everybody's sort of empathizing with everybody because white people finally, at least for 12 days, 14 days, two weeks, knew what it was like to be a minority because when you talk about the actual definition of minority you're talking about someone who's you know um socially politically and economically disenfranchised people mm-hmm. well for two weeks that's how people felt because they didn't even know if they're going to be able to return to their livelihood right uh-huh. and you had the government telling you what to do as opposed to you doing it so i'm building on these calls and i reach out to one of my closest friends in the world phil dixon um and we are such an interesting pair of friends because i'm this black hat he's this set i'm 48 years old he's a 70 year old or 72 year old british man right Mm -hmm. and we've been friends since 2005 because he really introduced me to the world of consulting Mm -hmm. and i said phil i have an idea and you're going to think i'm smoking crack when i say this idea but just rock with me what if we took my experiences as a black man in the united states and instead of just talking to people about race, because if you've never experienced racism, it's hard for you to empathize with someone who's experienced racism. Mm-hmm. But talking about my experiences with racism and putting it through the lens, because Phil also happens to be one of the foremost authorities on the neuroscience of, of leadership. Basically, oh. how we basically how you can util, use your brain in such a way to cause people to follow you. Okay. And what if we took my experience with racism and combined them with what you know of the brain, and we actually use this as a jumping on point to create effective discussions with folks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I happened, I was the victim of cross burnings, true story, I was victim of cross burnings when I was 17 years old mm-hmm. by the KKK. So you're talking 1991, again, I'm dating myself here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, we were the first family to go to Dubuque, Iowa under the constructive integration plan whereby they're gonna bring 100 black families into Dubuque over the course of 10 years. Okay. Great plan, I wish they had told us we were part of that plan, right? Mm-hmm. So the KKK comes in, David Duke comes in, he puts together this organization called the National Association for the Advancement of White People. And their sole, their primary task was to harass my family. 
and burn crosses. I'm 17 years old trying to figure out who in the blue hell I'm taking a homecoming, let alone why this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. So we took stories like that, put it into the book, and then we bookended it with, okay, this is what Jason's experience is like as an African-American man, but this is what's going on in your brain when you experience things. Maybe it's not racism for you. Maybe it's sexism. Or how about this? Everybody knows what it's like not to be included. Yeah. And what we find with the brain is fortune. Look, I don't know about you, but I can't fight to save my life. I'm 6'3", 255. I look like a badass when I walk down the street. But don't swing on me because <laughs> I'm going to give that shot, right? And I've been knocked out twice in my life in the boxing ring. So I'm going to tell you this, man. Uh, the way that the way that the the brain works is that your brain can't tell the difference between physical pain and social rejection, okay? Because it records it just the same. Mm-hmm. So what we found is in doing this book is that black people are walking around with racial PTSD, and many of us have not been diagnosed. Interesting. We're just suffering. We're just suffering from the effects of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of what we've been able to do with this book. You know, we put this book out, honestly, just as a means of, you know, sharing it with our clients, Yeah. maybe stimulating some conversations with people who would like the cover. Mm-hmm. And we had, we're hoping to sell maybe a hundred copies and it's gone on to become an international bestseller. Mm-hmm. And what we continue to, you know, we've done workshops around it. We've done discussions around it. We've done speaking engagements around it. And I'm so fascinated by the fact that social media will make you believe that we are as you know interconnected as you possibly can get like this this is the most interconnected time in human history but what i'm finding is that we might be interconnected in terms of the the social media platforms but we're so disconnected as it relates to human interactions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so for so many people they are used to hearing this conversation around race in terms of you people did this, you people did this, you people did that, therefore I feel this. Mm-hmm. As opposed to these are my stories, but I want to hear what your stories are. Interesting. Open the conversation. Got you. Absolutely. Excellent. I got bars. All right, family. <laughs> um, we have about at least three bars in there. I'm going to touch on them real, real quickly. And we'll come, I'll come back to them in, in, in the recap. But y'all, first off, so many, like I tell you, wealthy author family. So many of y'all talk to me, want to talk to me about memoirs and how unique your story is. And you've heard me, all heard me say, everybody's got a story, man. You're living, you're alive. Everybody has a story. What is the meaning of the stories that you want to tell? If you want to write a memoir, just write one. But we're trying to transform lives. And that means we can take your stories and pull a message out of there. What are we pulling out of there? And that's what, that's what we just heard uh, Jason talk about in this book. He's telling the stories, but pulling a message out there. Then it's connecting it back to science. So now there's even deeper message that we can. he's able to translate into uh, conversations in speaking engagements or wherever you may do the workshops you may have on there. So there is, so we see that again, y'all. We're talking about being a wealthy author on this podcast. So He's taking his idea of being an author. He just wants to help people. And all of a sudden he's doing more help than he even thought was possible. And then third, the third point here, the third bar I want to come out here is that is what we're hearing here, (laughs) y'all. What we're hearing here is that the idea of a wealthy author is to help people transform. Yes. I don't, I just, just trying to sell a couple hundred, maybe a hundred copies or whatever. It wasn't about, I need to be a bestseller. 
but because the message was clear, the message, what he was trying to say here was, was, uh, was well, well, well needed in the marketplace, y'all, not just hearing a story, but well needed in the marketplace, it took off. God did the rest there. So y'all listen to it's just, all right, that's, I'll recap later, but that's bars. We got to up and I just had to touch on those bars. I know we're coming to the end here. Um, to the end of our discussion. So I want to ask one more question before Excellent. I get into like the little, what we call lightning around the quick question portions over here um, to get a little more into the quick questions. Um, the, the, the idea here, the, the question I want to have for you is how have you just, this is for the, the, the author portion, getting the marketing done and so forth. Cause your business, you said you lucked up on business. I don't believe that all the books behind you. Don't tell me that you lucked up on it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What, <laughs> What have you been doing, you and your and your mentor and business partner uh, or uh, co-author, have you been doing to actually get the book out there, get the word out there? I know you had a PR company that actually got in contact with me, but what, how, what can you give for the authors coming out there that want to share their message, they have a meaning behind it, and they need to get the book in more people's hands? What would you suggest to them as far as marketing strategies? Does work for you? Yeah, great, great question. Man, I found that my best downline in terms of people to buy and evangelize my book were my social media friends. Um, were family members, you know, again, 48. So I'm that Facebook generation. And one of the things that we did prior to the book being released is we started doing a lot of drips, mm. you know, get sort of getting people excited by the fact that the book was coming out. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did a couple, you know, a couple press releases. Mm -hmm. um, I did a bunch of radio interviews. I'm going to tell you this. I, Dwayne, the rock Johnson is my idol. Okay. Right. And still wish he claimed the black side of him, but you know, you can't, can't, not everybody can be perfect, right? Not, everybody can, not, even, not even the rock, right? He's still my guy. But one of the things that I learned, um, really two, two of my, my primary mentors that I've not met are Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Will Smith. Okay. And the thing that they both have in common is not only, uh, you know, just uh, unrelenting work ethic, it's also this idea that they are always selling. Okay. So mm -hmm. if they're, if they're doing an interview and they know only five people are going to listen, well, those five people might buy a book. Mm -hmm. If they're doing an interview where they know a million people are listening, those million people might buy a book. But mm -hmm. the same energy has to be done for the five people as you would for the million people. Bars. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've learned. Look, man. I'm a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur that started my business with a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So. And now we're in the top 5% of employee and labor relations consultants in the country. Mm -hmm. I've had to, do, I had to do that on a shoestring budget. So in doing that on a shoestring budget, what I learned is to maximize every interaction. Mm -hmm. So what I say to authors is if you write a book, cause so I think I read somewhere where 10,000 business books come out per month, mm -hmm. right? Everybody's writing a book. But you can't just expect that people are going to know that the book exists. <laughs> you got to take the book out to them, right? Excellent. You got to take the book out to them. And I always use the analogy, man, if I can't swim, I'm a terrible swimmer. But if I'm drowning, you best believe as I'm coming up for air, I'm screaming, somebody help, mm -hmm. because I want somebody to come help me. Yep. It has to be the same thing when you have a book, where you have a product, whatever the case might be. You use that same analogy and you keep yelling, you keep yelling to somebody comes. Mm -hmm. And then you always assume that the somebody who's coming can't swim either. So you keep yelling to another person comes, to another <laughs> person comes, to another person comes, because you got you got to get out of the water, mm -hmm. right? 
same thing, man. Be your best salesperson because this is the day and age for personal branding. Okay, excellent, 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 excellent. All right, so here we go. Um, that was fantastic. I, 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 thank you. Thank, thank you. you for that. Awesome, fantastic. All right, let's get the last quick questions in here. Um, give me your favorite book and uh, after your book, of course, what would be your favorite book or top three if you need more than one? I'm a big comic book fan. So um, X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills, fantastic mm -hmm. book. Um, the, the Alchemist. Um, Alchemist. My, yeah, second favorite book. And I'd probably say The Man, The Snowy Day by Ezra Keaton. Ooh, interesting. I'll look that one up. Okay, all right. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's, a, it's a children's book. It's it, it helped me during a many a tough time when I was a kid. Okay, well, I'll make it my daughter then. All right, um, favorite quote? Uh, people work for money, but the die for respect and the die for recognition. But how you want to be respected might be different than how I want to be recognized. Okay, who's that? Is that yours? That's my dad, oh, that's Dr. Jerome Greer. Dr. Jerome Greer, you talking about spitting bars. My dad spits bars every time he opens his mouth, man. That's my dad up. is my dad is next level. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. So as we're wrapping up here, um, two the last two questions, go ahead and answer for yourself here. Um, first one being that, you know, to go ahead and tell us the message that you want to leave. What is that message that you must share with the world? Okay, right now. Um, and then we'll follow that up with how can the audience go ahead and um see what you got coming up next or where you want to meet how them, them follow you at or anything like that. Okay. Sure, yeah, no problem. Here's the message that I like to leave people. Man, it's so easy to hate, but it's a next level to try to love. And everybody's going through something. So be easy on other people, just as you would ask that they be easy on you. But remember this, we need to love each other because we've seen where hate gets us. Um, so that's the quote. Uh, that's the message. Uh, in terms of how you can find me, you can find me on uh, HireGCI.com. Mm -hmm. HireGCI.com is my website. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, find me on Twitter at Labor Diversity, Instagram, Jason Dad Greer, and Facebook, Jason Greer, um, Labor Relations Expert. Excellent. Excellent. I got one question I forgot to ask you. Anything. What do you do on your days off that most people don't know? Man, not to sound like I'm part of that hustle culture, but I am. I don't really have days off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, I will say what I do when I'm sitting in airports or sitting on airplanes, I read comic books like it ain't nobody's business. I kind of figured I it was, I figured it was, I figured it was. <laughs> Man, I love comic books not only keep me young, they keep my mind nimble and, and they continue to make me believe that there's something even better than this current reality that we live in. So. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Jason, for being out here on the show and dropping these boxes on the, on the wealthy author family. Appreciate you, man. God bless you to all. Hey, you too, Fortune. Thanks for having me. to episode number 56 of the Wealthy Author Podcast with your host, D. Orlando Fortune. That's me. That's your boy. Y'all, I want to give thanks, of course, to our creator. Without him, all none of this is possible. And I ask you, do you have any questions, comments, suggestions for any authors you want me to interview? Please email them to fortune at thoughtfortunepress.com. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book, The 4-Hour Book, and in it, you'll learn how to write, publish, and profit from a signature book for your coaching or consulting business. Purchase your copy at 4hourbook.com. And if you like the show, do us a favor, share, like, and join. Take a screenshot and share the episode with the hashtag, hashtag WealthyAuthorPodcast. Show us how much you like us 
by giving us a review on iTunes and subscribing to the show. And finally, join the conversation in the free Facebook group, Wealthy Author Community. And until next time, y'all, can be, can do, can have anything you want in this world, you've just got to believe. You can live a life of no doubt, just blessings. Keep on coming back here, and I'll show you how. And always remember, you're only one book away from the next breakthrough in your life and your business. So go out there and make life happen every day. God bless. Talk to you next time.